With the world tipping point just 10 days away, time for your weekly interlude from two guys who know nothing about anything. Call it a match made in heaven. Call it no agenda. From Gitmo Nation West in the condo overlooking the bay, I'm Adam Curry. And I'm John C. Dvorak up here in Silicon Valley North, a non-existent uh, location, but somehow I feel substance. <laughs> substance. Not sure why. Substance, no less. Sub <laughs> or substantive, I guess. Uh. Not sure. Hey, John, how you doing? It's, uh, it's Saturday afternoon, 1125, uh, here on the West Coast. And uh, I think I've solved the uh, disconnect problems from last week. It's a weird one, though. Oh, yeah? What was it? Um, for some reason, my router gets confused when... Um, I have three machines here. I have uh, an iMac, that's, uh, you know, one of those desktop things. And then I've got the, the MacBook Pro, which I record the show on, and then my phone. And what was happening was um, it was getting conflicting IP addresses, you know, where, where two machines try to grab the same IP address. And I think it has to do with the phone, actually, because that's, that's the new piece that was introduced uh, most recently. Ah, did you turn the phone off? Yeah, I've turned it off completely. So um, I think, you know, maybe once in a while, maybe the router looks to, you know, to check or it's, something's going on, which I'm sure is also a part of the router. But for whatever reason, um, I, I get conf conflicts between... Uh, uh, the MacBook Pro, and then uh, the other machine. So I just turn it off. Hopefully it should be okay. Hmm. Yeah, one of those deals. So uh, I went to dinner on Thursday uh, at a 10th anniversary little party they had uh, for a company called NetSuite. Yeah, what do they do? They make a, uh, a kind of an all-purpose, all uh, they essentially are, are SAP in the clouds is what it really amounts to. Oh my God, did you stand there and say, you guys are doomed, the cloud will never work, I don't believe in it, it's BS? Well, they, you know, they're, the, the type of cloud computing they do is something that is doable in the cloud because it's very, it's very uh, targeted. It's not like mass market stuff. Oh. And, um, so it's like, it's like enter enterprise stuff, is that what it is? Yeah, it's all enterprise stuff. Okay, all right. But good. the small companies can utilize it. It's actually an interesting product. People should check it out if, they're, if they have a small company and they want to computerize everything. Uh, the Oakland A's are on it. You know, John, it, your bandwidth is crap, man. Once again, you're you're warbling all over the place. But anyway, we're, we're connected. You so. know what's weird? Since we're both on Comcast, we have better connection when you're in England. Yeah, no kidding. And, and it's and it's messed up. I was going to, unfortunately, I didn't do it, but this week I was going to talk to the... Uh, Comcast folks and have them monitor this conversation and tell me what's wrong with it because I have high speed. They might die of boredom. Don't have them actually monitor the conversation. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, monitor the stream. Yeah, it's weird. It's like it's like your upload speed. I mean, you've got like mega, 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 megabits, right? Don't you have the massive Comcast connection? Yes, I have a five up. And the thing is, with everybody else, I don't have a problem except with you at that location. I hate it. All right. Anyway, so NetSuite, you had the dinner. Yeah. Is that the, is, is, is that the pictures you sent? That's what that was of? No, one, the one picture was the dining room. Mm -hmm. That's at Larry Ellison's house. That's where we had the dinner. Oh, that was his. that's his ship then? No, no, that's Tom Perkins' ship. <laughs> oh, excuse me, I get them confused. <laughs> yeah, one is Blofeld, and the other one is, I can't remember the other evil character, but... Uh, Perkins is, is definitely blowfelled with that ship. That, that thing is amazing. I mean, th th it's a world famous ship, right? It's it's the only one of its kind, a sailing ship that it's completely automated. I think it was actually wasn't it built in the Netherlands? Didn't the Dutch build that? Turks. Turks. Huh. 
Same thing. Well, I'm sure the Dutch taught the Turks. <laughs> yeah. But um, anyway, so you, I tried to get on it, but uh, they won't let you on. You know, since he's at, you know, he is one of the founders of Kleiner Perkins. You should be able to get on, seems to me. Yeah, but I have absolutely no desire. I'm, you know, and by the way, I'm against uh, parties on boats. This party was not at a boat. The party was at Larry Ellison's house. Okay. It's just on the way to the house. I went past this boat <laughs> and I, I stopped and took a picture of it. Oh, wow. There's a lot to wish for still, I guess. <laughs> Holy moly. Well, I don't think Allison even stays at that house. By the way, you have to take your shoes off when you go in there. Yeah. Um, it looks like a, it looks like more of a, of a, of a crash pad, um, in the, um, um, let's say the model of the, the lobby of the Four Seasons. Right, right, right. If, you if, know, it's, is this, is this the Japanese place? No, is no, the, that's his place in Woodside. Oh, okay. So how many people were invited? There were 22. Oh, man, you're on the list. You're in the inner circle. Well, for that party. Yeah, well. <laughs> since, and anyway, since one of the guys that were the CEO of the company is a wine collector, uh, he gave me access to his... Um, his database, and then so I picked the wines for the dinner, and they were all. Um, I'm, I'm gonna have to blog this because it's another example of, uh, you know, how uh, people get caught up in essentially overpriced California wine. And for anyone out there who follows this, there's gonna by like two guys are gonna know what I'm talking about. But what we had essentially a, a six bottle. Uh, Horizontal tasting of the 2002 vintage, which included two cold cold gins, an Ebreu, an Araujo, um, a Bryant family, and um, I, overall these wines are 500, 600 bucks a, a, a pop, if, okay. you know, or more if you bought them today. Mm. And uh, you know, the, you know, some I, I, next day, a couple of days later, I had just a, like a second wine from Bordeaux for like you know 20 bucks. It was better. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Somehow it's a lot less interesting when I wasn't there to taste it. How come I wasn't your bitch? How come I, I wasn't your date? What's up? With nobody that? had dates. It was just the uh, people were invited. Nobody could bring anybody. Okay. And was it like really nerdy? A whole bunch of guys in cockies sitting around drinking five hundred dollar bottle of wine? No, not really. Oh. It's mostly entrepreneurial class. Ah, yes. Although Dan Farber was there from. Um ZDNet. ZDNet, right. Okay, so that was nice. So you had table conversation. No, I, I knew half the guys there. I'm glad we didn't go out last night. We were we were planning our dinner last night. We were still on for tonight or not? Yeah, but I was thinking, here's an interesting idea, and I think people get a kick out of this. I, <laughs> about uh, a month or two ago, I was floating around San Francisco. I had to meet somebody, and I was over in the part of Chinatown where there's this there's a classic San Francisco restaurant that I don't know how old this place is, but for years and years and years, it always won the most beautiful restaurant in San Francisco award. And I'm, you know, and the more I thought about it, I've only lived here forever, and I don't know that I've ever eaten at this place. And it's a classic old. Really pretty Chinese restaurant that is probably as faded as anything could be. It's just semi-decadent. Um, called the Empress of China. Oh, okay. I've, I've, I think I've walked by it once when I was uh, on one it's of It's a my... big thing. It's up in the air. It's not like on a, yeah. the 10th floor of a building. It overlooks, you know, Chinatown or something. Cool. And so anyway, so I'm walking around and I go and I, I'm, I'm 
I had some time to kill, so I went in the elevator to go up and visit the restaurant to see what it was like, and I roamed around. And it's actually, you know, still in, you know, it's still uh, a, um, uh, still looks like it's still in pretty good shape. You know, I'm, I'm wondering about uh, about choosing you know, that as our destination for the season. Well, evening? I was saying it'd be kind of interesting as a because I've never been there. Well, it's a know? landmark. I, I think our audience who uh, once in a while frequent San Francisco would enjoy the review. Yeah, I think so too. Okay. I mean, is it worth going to? This is the question. Well, you, you know, I, I I lay my trust completely in your hands. Well, anyway, so it's a change of pace, yeah. especially after having this high end meal I had, which is like you know drinking these wines. I mean, the, I was so irked about the wines. <laughs> Not that they weren't good. I mean, they were all decent, except I didn't like the Colgens at all, and I never have liked that winery. And I was looking at the bottles, and I realized why the alcohol in those wines is ridiculous. That's like fifteen percent. Fifteen five, oh, fifteen no. seven. Yeah, that that makes you hammered real quick. Yeah, and it gives you a headache, and you have all kinds of issues with it. And I don't even know why they're pushing them up that high with the, that kind of alcohol. And uh, and when you smell the wine, trying to look for a bouquet or anything, all you smell is ethanol. And it's just like, and, and this wine is five hundred dollars. I mean, are you kidding me? Pour that in my tank. I mean, I can go get some Everclear. <laughs> Excuse me, can I just dab my uh, my napkin in that to clean the glass table for a second? Yeah, there we go. Nice. Anyway. But uh, I'll blog it. Yeah. Oh, man. This is so weird. It, you know, I don't like doing our shows when we're both on the same coast or in the same country, actually, besides the, the connectivity. I just feel so uh, disconnected from the rest of the world when I'm in San Francisco. Well, you've been reading the Financial Times. You were very disappointed uh, this week because you ran into the Financial Times article on Sequoias complaining about something or other. No, that was actually uh, just before I left. That was uh, last, was it? No, no, you're right. It was Monday or Tuesday. No, uh, when did I arrive? Tuesday? When did I get in? I don't know. Yeah, what? I see, I don't know either. Uh, you came in Monday night. All right, okay. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, Monday's Financial Times on the plane. The front page uh, above the fold, it said... Uh, no, uh, I, I wish I knew exactly what the headline was, but it was like uh, Silicon Valley in dire straits or something like that. And it referred to uh, what is now really old news, which broke on, of all places, Valley Wag, um, that uh, one of our investors, actually, uh, Sequoia Capital, they'd had an all-hands meeting uh, two, no, almost three weeks ago. Uh, and they had all of their uh, companies come in. They had three guys speak, and, uh, the, you know, they had a, a common PowerPoint deck and... Uh, the deck started off with uh, with a tombstone, a picture of a tombstone that said "Rest in peace, good times," and essentially the message from, from yeah, which was which was insulting to start off with. Honestly, you know what do you mean good times? I'm working my ass off here, um, and uh, you know the message was uh, we're all going to die. Uh, your companies will die. You have to cut sixty percent. You have to plan to have. Uh, the amount of cash you have right now, you have to plan to have the exact same amount of cash in one year from now. If you're not making money, you're going to be dead. Uh, and that was that was their message. Now, we have other investors who had very different messages, I'll say. But this was really, you know, they brought everyone together. And they did a really stupid thing. They sent out um, a video of the event and the PowerPoint through email. The video was not password protected and it said, you know, confidential. Yeah, like, like of all those people who were at the meeting, like they're going to keep it confidential. So of course that showed up everywhere within an hour, including a uh, valley wag. And, you know, to add insult to injury, then the Financial Times picks up on it two weeks after the fact and makes it a headline story. Uh, and then quoting, 
you know, who are they quoting? Like, uh, uh, Loic Lemur of Seismic, who had just, you know, let seven people go. And, you know, it, it was just like, man, if this is their reporting, if this is their, their, their great in-depth award-winning reporting, crikey, I, I got to start thinking about the value of other shit I read in their paper. It's disappointing. Yeah. That's, yeah, that, no, that happens all the time. When you read something in the newspaper, you absolutely know something about, and it's never right. You have to question the rest of it. Yeah, no, that happens all the time. In fact, you run into that. I ran into that, by the way, a lot with Alex Jones. Oh, uh, from Infowars? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, he brings up certain things that I happen to have personal knowledge of, and it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, well, we all do it, obviously. And, and you know, it, it's all in, yeah, there is no truth, I guess, is is the message. No, it's all entertainment. <laughs> yes. So talking about entertainment, uh, I've come to some horrible conclusion about the election. It's no longer fun? Well, no, it's getting a little old. Uh, but, uh, this, but what's getting to be kind of fun is, is, is watching the smugness of the Democrats kind of creep into the picture. I mean, if you watch this week's uh, Bill Maher show, I mean, these guys are sitting there. It's, it's, it's actually kind of interesting. It's going to be so offensive to people after a couple of years of this. But, so I realized that I made a huge mistake. Uh oh. Yeah, oh, I made a, a huge mistake. Wait a, minute, wait a 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 minute. Here it comes. <laughs> a huge mistake. I made a huge mistake. And the thing was, is I violated my own basic tenet and I, when I made this mistake. And that is about two years ago when I started to pick up on the uh, on the way this election was going to go, which was uh, I believed it was going to be. At well, the wait time. a minute. Yeah, you, you believed it was going to be. Hillary as the Democratic uh, candidate, then you uh, then you said it would be uh, a Clinton-Obama ticket, but right. that McCain would win regardless. So right. so far, then, you're batting zero. I also predicted McCain was going to be the nominee, and I also said that, but I said the vice president was going to be Giuliani. But that was the kind of the, the way. But it, these guys got shook out at the uh, during the primaries, and who knew that Obama was going to push out Hillary because that wasn't really in the cards. Anyway, so and I still think they're trying to submarine his campaign, but they can't do it. But the thing I overlooked was I wrote a column which I'm going to reblog. I wrote this just basically wrote the column for the blog a few years ago about how the media is uh going to force the issue on uh on the way the uh, electoral college works and make a popular vote be the vote for the president because when they target states which they're not which Obama's not necessarily doing because he's got a 50 state strategy yeah, he's got a, and he's got a huge lead but when they target states, they take money out of the coffers of media companies who get all this election campaign money. But meanwhile, I've been arguing vociferously every time it comes up in the conversation. And I, I'll make this – and people who know me have probably heard this from me numerous times over the last decades – is that there's never going to be campaign finance reform uh, ever because it would limit the amount of money that goes to these campaigns that then goes to the true beneficiaries of the campaign. Which are the media companies. Which are the media companies. Yeah. So they're not going to put up with it. They're essentially going to screw over anybody who tries to do campaign finance reform because it's money out of their pockets. Right. So what am I doing putting my money on McCain 
when he takes public funds, he even though Obama agreed to it, and Obama just said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, He's right, like, gotcha, and then, yeah, and psych, so, <laughs> psych." <laughs> and so Obama's got the two hundred, three hundred million. God knows how much money he's got, and he's spending it, and he's still collecting it. He charges for bumper stickers for he, God's he, sake. He can't even. He's they're desperate. They're so desperate to spend their money, and we should probably delve into this just lightly, John, and to explain to our non-American listeners how it works. In fact, many of our American listeners don't know how it works. He, because you can't spend that money after the campaign, right? I think you can put it into the next campaign. I think you can carry it forward like a credit. Right, okay. So obviously he's trying to spend everything, which explains uh, what he's doing. Is it, I think, Wednesday when he's going to, he's spending a million dollars per network for a primetime half hour special for which baseball is even being delayed by 15 minutes. And which is the kicker to the story because Fox, of all the networks, is actually delaying the World Series so yes. they could take Obama's money. money. <laughs> and by the way, a million bucks for an, for a half hour? That seems cheap. Yeah, it does seem cheap. I think it's pre-prime time or something like that. It's not prime time, or is it? Uh, well, before the baseball game is prime be, time, you know, regardless. The million-dollar figure may not be accurate. It may have been negotiated. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, that's true. I'm just going by what I hear. That's true. Yeah, it could be something else. So, so let's let's just understand well, this first. Yeah, let me just delve into the to the campaign finance. Let me just play it to you the way I understand it. Um, if you go with public money, then there's a set amount uh, that you can use. And you get that basically for free. If you take other forms of money, and I'm very fuzzy on on what other forms of money is, then you can't take the public money. But then the amount you can get in and spend is is essentially unlimited. And I'm not quite sure how it works. I mean, how 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 do you? Where does this money come from? Can you raise it any way you want? I mean, uh, as we know, and we can get into that later. Obama is literally selling his bumper stickers. Um, you know, how how does that work? Well, it's pretty. It's pretty. You know, this is a nobody knows. This <laughs> nice. is like a, nice and transparent in the Banana Republic. It's like you know, there's a bunch of little money come pouring in that they don't track. So it could be from Africa. You know, you're not supposed to be taking which is illegal, money. right? You're not supposed yeah, to take you foreign can't, money. You can't take foreign money, and but you can't track it because all going on through the internet. <clears throat> so and then there's these big donations, and there's a thousand dollar minimum, but yet there's people that give more somehow. I mean, the whole thing is re is really gotten weird. And there, there used to be this problem with so-called soft money and hard money, and I don't even know what they did to fix that. And then you got the public money that goes to you know one or both candidates in different. Ratios. All right, John, you, it's all right to say you just don't know. I don't know. I mean, I yeah. just know that there's an awful lot of money on one side of the campaign, and then the, the do-gooder who wants to do campaign finance reform, because the reason for campaign finance reform is just what we're describing. We don't know how it works. We don't know where this money's coming from. It could be coming from Saudi Arabia, for all we know, and it's, and it's being funneled in in all kinds of different ways, um, and they would like to fix that so because there's a corrupting factor to it. But it's never going to be fixed, and we have to get over it because the media is not going to let that happen. So they got these two candidates and you wonder why this is the most i mean when because I, I was still baffled by why would general electric a big contracting company put all its really put all its weight behind obama in such a way that they've actually created a network msnbc that is essentially the, the obama, obama network yeah the obama channel sure and they just give you know as far as they're concerned it's all obama all the time well, what, well, well then why do you question it i don't understand why you're that makes total sense to me 
Well, it makes total sense when you think of the fact that they don't want a campaign finance reform guy winning because obviously that's money out of their bottom line every four years or every two years with the congressional elections. Yeah, but, oh, dude, but come on, General Electric, think about the power they're going to have when they come knocking and say, yo, Barack, baby, remember we hooked you up with the with that Barack channel? Yeah, well, that's, that's what's going to happen. That's fine and dandy, but I don't think that's the basic reason to do it because it was always risky. I mean, because they were going uh, on Barack's side when the when the election was even, and what would happen if McCain won? The reason that everybody, and if you look at all these newspapers that are, including the Chicago Tribune, that's never uh, advocated for a Democrat, yeah, even though he's local now boy. Endorsing him, yeah. They said, yeah, we wanted Obama. Every newspaper editor, which is usually always saying a Republican, while well, the staff is Democrat, they're all saying vote for Obama. Nobody's saying vote for McCain, and the reason is as far as I'm concerned, it's just like they look at the bottom line and they say, "Look, this Obama guy's got—he's giving—he's he's throwing three hundred million into the system, our money, and then this cheapskate McCain—he's got some public funds. Do we want a future with the president's running under those circumstances? Who's not going to pay us? So. Who's not going to pay the man? So, well, I so I made this bet, not thinking because I have always said for years that the that. Campaign finance reform is never going to happen because the media is the beneficiary. The media controls public opinion, and the media would be would be shooting themselves in the foot to be promoting. But so, thing. so am they I am I missing something? It, is there is there campaign finance reform on the horizon? What am I missing here? No, McCain is always, he's had a couple of bills go in trying to do it. He's trying to, you know, he's a big shot here by taking public funds. Uh, yeah, it's always on the horizon. It gets talked up every once in a while, but when it comes this close and you got a guy that's going to be president who's really big time campaign finance reform guy, McCain, they have to kill him, you know, with, uh, by get, making sure he doesn't get in. So they say, don't vote for him. You know, the, all the editorials are against him. He's an idiot. You know, he's old, you know, one thing or another. Yeah. I hope yeah, people. I know. Somebody out there is going, well, Obama's better. Yeah. I'm saying, bullshit. Obama. Bullshit. Bullshit. They I mean, could have put anybody in. I, I really hope people understand the significance of this. And by the way, there was a Dutch reporter. I think I sent that to you a couple of weeks ago. A Dutch reporter who donated uh, money to uh, Obama's campaign. And then uh, she wrote an article about it saying, hey, you know, that's actually illegal for you to take my money. Of course, that went nowhere. In fact, when I donated to, uh, I'm just realizing now, when I donated to, um, uh, Dr. Ron Paul's campaign, I did it on a Dutch credit card, so technically that would also be uh, an illegal uh, illegal donation. But this is what I've been saying for a long time, that in the United States, we choose our presidents the same way we buy our soap and our washing powder. It's all through advertisements, it's all through manipulation and paid manipulation of the media, and, and, and it's the people who are behind the candidates who are really running the show. Last Thursday... When we had the beautiful, I love C-SPAN, when we had the beautiful um, cam, um, uh, investigative committee about the uh, the financial crisis, and you had Greenspan sitting there, you had Cox from the Securities Exchange Commission, and Snow, the former Treasury uh, Secretary of the Treasury, and um, Davis, the Republican on the committee, uh, he's, he asked these three jabronis, these thieves and liars, he said, do you have any idea in the past 20 years which presidential candidate, in 20 years' time, which presidential candidate has received the most campaign finance donations from the uh, subprime mortgage lenders, which is just another word for the Wall Street thieves. 
And none of them knew the answer. And, of course, the answer is Obama, because that's where his money is coming from. It's coming from Wall Street. And it's coming from Wall Street where big companies like GE are listed. And it's, a, it's one big money game. And the fact that we don't see through this, certainly as Americans, is sad. Well, I think the market's going to skyrocket once he gets in. Yeah, market, market. I'm so uninterested now in, yeah, in the well, market. Yeah, because you, you're in gold bars. <laughs> so, uh, no, it's, it, it, it's, you know what? I've really calmed down a lot because I see now that clearly we're not going to stop the freight train. Uh, you know, unless something really radical happens, Obama is going to win. And we're headed for, you know, uh, at least two more years until we hit the, you know, your cycle, our huge depression. And it's going to be very, very serious. And it's, and we, and we brought this shit on ourselves. Well, the funny thing is, it's going to be all Democrats, you know, running everything. So that we'll see how they do. But, um, you know, the Barney Franks of the world. Oh, that guy. You know, I wouldn't buy a car from that guy. What a dick. He looks like your crazy ass uncle, the one that always sets up the slideshows. You know, it's like, <laughs> what a horrible, horrible man. And, you know, you can just tell he's full of crap. Oh, I hate that guy. Really, with a passion. And the way he talks. Well, he's you know, not the only weird talker. The other one is is, is, is the, what's his name, Rankle, or, you know, that black guy who's got that. I don't know him, voice. but, you know, Dodd is another one. It just, you know, he, he looks so completely untrustworthy. And even Nancy Pelosi, man, she, what planet is she from? I don't know. I think she had way too much Botox the last time around. She can't even move her face. Botox and that helmet that she calls hair is frightening me. Ugh. She's like, looks like she's perpetually scared. Yeah. Well, enough about the personal attacks. But yeah, I mean, she totally. She's <laughs> the personal. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not right to talk about people's physical appearance, but well, uh, when they're all Botoxed up, I think it's okay. <laughs> uh, you know, there are people in my family who uh, who use Botox, and people in my. Uh, in my, in my friends, I know. So I, you know, what am I going to say about it, right? But um, it's, uh, it's, you know, it, for me, it's just, it's winding down. I'm just like, I'm exhaling already. I'm like, okay, you know, well, we'll see it happen, and then we're gonna, you know, we're gonna see all that smugness, and when everyone's gonna be ha ha ha, and aren't we great, and we rule, and we're gonna change the world, and then we're gonna wake up one day, and we're gonna be, I'm trying not to swear, but we're gonna be screwed. We're going to be so screwed, and I, that's what I'm waiting for when I can say, okay, told you so. Now can we please get together and change this and make it right? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm angry, John. I'm, I'm angry, I'm disappointed, and dismayed when I, when I hear what Obama is going to do. You look at, you look, this is the only, I, I've tried running uh, companies in, in countries that are socialist, uh, which is the direction the United States is headed, and what you get is, it's impossible, at least for me, I've, it is not possible to run uh, a small to medium-sized business. We are the ones that are going, we are absolutely, our company is the one that's going to get screwed. Because we're going to get all of the tax crap, all of that shit's going to come down on us. We're the ones that are actually working. And, you know, and people who are lazy bitches are going to be sitting around taking handouts and not want to do anything. You know, it's like this is, this is not what America is about. And it's, it's upsetting to me. Really, really upsetting. And I've had small, small, medium businesses and I've run them successfully and I love doing it. But when your government is there, jabbing a poker up your ass it's like why bother you know i'll just take my gold and go sit somewhere else go and pay, go to paraguay and screw all of you you know that, <laughs> seriously paraguay it, it, well that's where all the bushes go and that's where they all have their compounds for when the riots break out
you know, it's it's uh, it's really honestly, seriously upsetting because I am a patriot and it upsets me. I mean, do you disagree with, with that happening? Well, you know, the thing is, is that it happens, you know, so it's still a slow boat. I mean, it's not oh, it doesn't walk. happen overnight. Yeah, I've learned that, too. It takes a while. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of resistance and they, they you know, it's all, the only damage, you know, here's what the Democrats have to do. They got to pretty much not do anything uh, except, you know, uh, fix a few leaks, uh, and maybe, you know, look at the regulatory uh, landscape a little bit and make, make some adjustments, uh, for two years. So things are kind of on an even keel. And then they can keep their their plurality because if they start screwing around right away and things start to fall apart, the de the Republicans will be right back in office in the Congress and Senate overnight because the pu the public is fickle and they're not going to put up with you know you get here we're going to give you Congress we're going to give you the president we're going to give you whatever you want you can pick any Supreme Court justice you want uh. you're going to have the Senate the House everything it's yours now now do some do what you're supposed to do which is fix things if they don't do it. They're, they're done because they, you know, this is, in fact, I'm surprised that they're going to pick up more seats because it's been the Democrat do nothing Congress that got in two years ago and they were going to, you know, get us out of the war and they were going to do this and they're going to do that and they're going to, and they did nothing except, you know, it's, be partially responsible for this financial crisis by, you know, not doing anything. They're the when, ones when that I, handle purse when I, when strings, I hear, not the president. When I hear our cultural leaders of the elite, mind you, when I hear Jon Stewart um, on his show talking about, well, isn't it time we spread the wealth around a little bit? You know, in, in other words, it's okay for people to receive checks from the government for, for not working. That really angers me. That's not the way it's supposed to work. The way it's supposed to work, and, you know, 75% of American business is small business. It's only 25% that are huge uh, conglomerates and, and mega corporations. You know, this is the guy with the, with the, with the corner stall. This is the guy with the little shop. This is a couple of guys with 50, 60 employees. You know, we're supposed to be able to create jobs, which creates wealth and creates uh, an economy that actually runs on real product and people doing real work. And that's how you spread the wealth around. Not by, not by giving handouts, because it, it breeds contempt. I've seen it happen. We've talked about this. Yes, but what also breeds contempt, for example, is the guy who took over that bank for two weeks and walked away with three hundred million dollars. Oh, yeah, he got of course. A, well, yeah, of course. But you know, don't this bailout is not about actually fixing anything. It's not. No, I'm just saying that you know we have a bunch of interesting uh, executive uh, packages that are out there that are yeah. being. You know, these guys are. You know, look what I look at. You know, and there's people doing one. I'm making more as a CEO than you are. I'm making 200 million a year, and you're only making 150 million. That kind of thing. This, is, which is basically shoving it in the public's face, because these guys can't either shut up about it or they can't find some other way to get paid. I mean, some even like Jack Welch wasn't paid that kind of money, uh, and. So you get a, this, you get a, a blowback on it, and this is what's going to happen. So they're going to literally do what they the Democrats can do when they take over, and it's a simple old phrase that goes around: soak the rich. Yeah, eat the rich. Well, <laughs> well, but but it's the Democrats who who set all this up. It's the Democrats who um, who who force this bailout. You know, it's it. They're doing it. It's not like you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just a, I'm at a loss for words, and I'm disappointed. Yeah. Well, lunch is not over yet. It's not over till it's over. Yeah, that is absolutely true. But you know, uh, I would hate I would hate to think what would happen if Obama lost. That well, I'm, that would be bad too. I'm but very you know, worried. if it turns out that he was born in Kenya, yeah, this is uh, this is getting weirder. I, I was reading yesterday 
that uh, because uh, the Obama uh, because Obama did not respond to this uh, lawsuit that was filed in where is it F- Pennsylvania I think um, that uh, that that actually creates a legal problem for him that he you know because essentially all he has to do is produce his uh, his vault version of his birth certificate and he's good to go right and he's not doing that right and the rule is if you're not a natural born American you cannot be president whether it's fair or not that's the rule. And um, this trip to Hawaii, I've read somewhere else, uh, in, amongst my many fellow conspiracists, um, uh, you know that, that his grandmother is uh, is apparently ill or very ill, and so he he stopped his campaign for two days to go to Hawaii. The 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 uh, the general uh, conspiracy thought out there is that he's there with his lawyers trying to finagle and fix his birth certificate issue because that's where his uh, his so-called birth certificate is from is from Hawaii. Um, which I, I kind of would buy into almost. Yeah, I thought it was kind of weird that he would have this issue with his grandmother out of the blue like this just, uh, the, you know, two weeks beforehand. Although I think right now that both uh, Obama and Biden would be better off staying off the campaign trail and coasting home on an empty tank yeah. because there is less chance of, of getting into a wreck, as, well, you, the, as it were. Yeah, well, this uh, of course, this Biden thing um, where he, uh, at a fundraiser, was recorded saying, "Oh, you know, this guy's going to get, uh, going to really going to be tested. There's going to be a uh... something bad's going to happen." Well, he's, but he said it was going to be an orchestrated event. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, and well, he, and he know knows what... the people who are going to do it. That's li- that was literally what he was saying. That's what he kind of hinted at. But you know, the the thing is, you got to remember, there's an eight year cycle uh, of uh, of attacks. By Al Qaeda on the United States. I mean, the '93 uh, attack on the World Trade Center. You better get your later. book out quick, John. <laughs> this is the eight-year cycle book, so that means we're due in 2009 for another Al Qaeda attack. This is also in a cycle. You're serious, right? You're, you're really telling me this now. Absolutely. Oh, please. And so, well, when it happens, then you're going to go. My God, I, I, this Dvorak is unbelievable. No, I, I don't think it's. I think it's. A, I think it's a financial. I think it's structural. I think it's. Uh, um, it's going to be the reset of the reserve currency uh, screwing the dollar. That's what I believe it's going to be. It's not going to be a, a physical uh, attack. It'll be a financial virtual attack. I think you're going to blow up Los Angeles. And why do I say that? Yes, please. I wouldn't mind knowing. Because I'm going there the... tomorrow. Will it, will it be okay? Can I, If I leave on Tuesday, am I safe? Well, the reason I say it is because they seem to the, 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 the whoever's behind all these crazy things, which I would assume is Bin Laden, but you know you don't know. Uh, there is a, they they always keep coming back to the things that they they blow they they didn't get done the first time, and so the World Trade Center they tried it in '93 they tried to blow it up from the bottom up. Uh, with a bunch of explosives in the basement, and it shook the whole place, but nothing happened. And well, which, a couple people died. Yeah, some people died, but I'm just saying it wasn't didn't bring the building down. And then they, uh, you know, so then they re, you know, thought the process, and then to eight years later, over after a lot of planning, these guys aren't, you know, kind of just scatterbrained about it. After a lot of planning, they do the the thing on 9/11. Now, in that during that same period, uh, there was an attempt and they, to go to the Los Angeles airport and blow up that that. Horrible looking. Yeah, the the spaceship looking dome. Yeah, that the dome, dome restaurant. Thing. Yeah, and uh, they, they brought these guys in through Port Angeles, my Washington home, as a matter of fact, 
these guys are coming in from Canada, and the guy f- screwed up and panicked, and we started running around. And if you know, if anybody knows anything about that area, when you're in the Olympic Peninsula, there's one road out. And it was like being on an island in that regard. You can't get out. I mean, you can get on a plane, you can get out, but you, you driving out or, or running out, as this guy was doing, you're not getting anywhere. You're going to get eaten by bears. Anyway, so well, they um, also they also tried to uh, uh, wasn't it they uh, wasn't the talk of them trying to attack the Sears Tower in Chicago as well. There was talk about it, but there was no. I mean, there wasn't anything where there was an actual effort that where the guys were caught. And I mean, there's and there was also talk about the Space Needle in Seattle during the. Uh, right. uh, Fireworks, but that, you know, wh- why bother with that? That is not symbolic. You know, if you, if you got to get something that has, you know, because no, works. I agree with that. I know. I think the space needle is not symbolic. I, it's just a space needle, and nobody, you know, cares about it. Uh, that build, I think, uh, ter- blowing up LAX. Uh, well, that would cause not, some actual economic. Uh, it would cause all disaster. kinds of problems. Yeah, it'd be a disaster. As opposed to the space needle, which I think was stupid. You know, once that rumor came out about the space needle, they canceled the fireworks display, and <laughs> you know the Seattleites all panicked because yeah, you know remember, the Pacific Northwest and, yeah. and and most of Canada, everything, everybody in those areas thinks everything's about them. <laughs> and, just, well, uh, that's just like San Francisco, dude. Believe me. Yeah, it's true. But anyway, the point is, is that they got really freaky about it, which is like ridiculous. Uh, and yes, the, the 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 thing that they these guys would like to do is something that really has an economic impact, which the, the World Trade Center definitely did, and that whole idea of the airplanes. So they are blowing up an airport, which is what they tried to do once eight years ago or seven years ago, coming on the eight years. Uh, seems like a logical target. And if I was uh, down in Los Angeles, I'd be very uh, I'd be, I, you know, I, I don't know what to do about it, but I think I'd be. Uh, so, on the so, so, let me ask you a question: If, um, if Obama is going to save us, which of course is what everyone uh, believes, and he's going to bring our troops home and end this war, I can hear Joe Biden saying it. What incentive do they have? You know, if, if I mean, of course, you know, I don't believe that there even is such a thing as Al Qaeda beyond a brand name and Bin Laden. If he's still alive, it's irrelevant. And I don't believe that nine eleven was done by Al Qaeda or yeah, terrorists with box cutters. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead and call me a kook and a nut job, whatever. I didn't call you a nut job. I'd call you a nutter. But yeah. anyway, just and go you back call to you the call topic. me a nutter. But you know, so what's the incentive? You know, why, why, why do they want to get us again? Is, is this uh, just to keep on going forever? I mean, aren't we yeah. uh, showing our good side here? Oh, no. come on. It's bullshit. This is being it's done good. by the same people who are electing or trying to get Obama and McCain into government. They just, they just want to kill us all. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. It's uh, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's geopolitics. It's nothing new. Anyway, so... No, it's um, not, but it is... It, no, I'm sorry. It is... It is absolutely nothing new. We're going through this. You're right, John. We're going through the same cycle. The exact same things have happened throughout history, and we're so stupid and so undereducated, and and our governments keep us so dumb that we don't even recognize that what is happening is just a cycle. It goes through. I mean, it's the same thing all over again, and it's probably done by the same people or by their descendants. And it's not guys with with sheets on their head climbing on monkey bars in the desert, which is our vision of Al-Qaeda. I didn't know about the monkey bars. You've never seen that video footage? So, so, anyway, the point is, back to what I was saying, uh, 
uh, there's an eight, there is a cycle involved with it, with their planning and the execution, and it's eight years. And there's been a couple of, uh, there was a really good article written in the London Times, and I wish I could find it. You know, I had a link to it on this little site that I had put up during the uh, 9-11 period. I had all these links to all these stories. It was actually quite a good, it's called a jihad site. It, it was uh quite interesting to read all this stuff so people can get to an understanding of what's going on with the fundamentalist uh, Islamist. And um, I had a link to this article in the London Times, which was t- which disappeared. Unfortunately, I'd have to go get the paper, I guess, was um, written by one of the professors of one of the uh, one of the big universities like Oxford or Cambridge is a professor of war studies. <clears throat> and he claimed that the uh, that this that the Arab methodology for uh, war from back from the 1400s and whenever or before was always a hit and run style. It was like you'd come in and you'd do as much damage as you could and then you'd run away as fast as you can and then you'd stay away and then you'd come in again when you when it's least expected. And his uh, thinking was what we did when we pounded Afghanistan immediately thereafter was the exact right thing to do. Uh, you have to like you know just start making them miserable are you are you uh, john a question of conscience are you proud to be an american when you talk about all these things when you hear what we're doing and 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 it, basically what the governments are doing i don't i don't hate anyone in afghanistan i don't hate anyone in, in iraq i don't hate anyone in russia do you are you proud to be an american and and have these people represent you with death well i don't like the representation with death by any means but the fact of the matter is i don't think i think that the what the way we've structured this uh, society that we are we have been actually given this role and we have to you know we, there's nothing we can do about it i mean i don't think there's a choice what role what role have we been given we have been given the role of the, the you know the world's big country with the number one economy and it's a police it's, we've been given the police state role we've been given that by whom who gave that to us we got it in world war Two. who gave it to us essentially i think all of everybody else i mean you, I, it, you, it wasn't you, like somebody it wasn't like here's a piece of paper where there's you were signing off you guys can go do all this stuff it's just a role that we ended up with i don't know who gave it to us like any one person because there's no a person that gives you anything like that you don't it's think it's possible role. that we as in our government took it took that role instead of just staying back and saying hey you know hey guys you know this well, is you know i up. think it's a possibility that we could have stayed back and went back to our isolationist ways before world war one and I don't think that would have been necessarily a bad thing. Well, but isolate, you know, it's not, it's not bad to have commerce with other people, but to go set up camps and, and have military represented. We have like, we have camps in 200 places in the world. I think it's too many. Well, of course it's too many. And they've been there since the Second World War. Germany, we still have, uh, bases. Why? To protect you know, us from the evil Russians? I mean, come on. This is this is just a way of moving crap. money around. Well, okay. Oh, thank you. All right. So as long as we all recognize that it boils down to money at the end of the day. I'm just sick of it, John. I'm really, really sick of it. You're getting weirder. Uh, no, I'm not. I, I, there's nothing to be positive about. And I see this Obama guy coming, and and I and I and I know it. It's it's like reading. Uh, like reading the dictionary, you know, as I know we're going to wind up at Z eventually, and I know that zebra is going to be there. Or, you know, it's just like it's, it's so obvious what's going to happen. And we and you're right. We go through these same cycles over and over again. And and I don't I'm frustrated because I, I wish I could change it. And I, and I wish we weren't such moronic idiots. 
Is that we the tr- reset the whole country when this next cycle comes around by my thesis, so I'm not worried about it. Is that the, the is that the twelve o'clock train I hear passing by your it's house? It's funny, isn't it? That yeah. thing that's that guy. This is this one guy. And he always he there. always uh Oh he well he's not that, but he's yeah, he just makes noise. There's no, there's no crossings. <laughs> Seriously, there's no crossings. If it, but he just makes noise the whole time. I don't know what he's making it about. Maybe to shape, take, to, to chase birds off the, uh, off the track. I have no idea. He's just a maniac. Once in a while, there's, there was a period of time that, I don't know what caused this. There's a period of time when these trains are going by at two in the morning and the guys would be honking the whole time right through the residential areas oh, in shit. Berkeley. And so they got a bunch of complaints. They stopped doing it. But, uh, I think it's just something you do when you're an engineer. Well, that's, that's the whole reason to become an engineer, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. I'm an engineer. So. Well, and then now it turns out, by the way, that engineer that caused that big train wreck is supposedly texting someone on his phone. You, you, you believe about, that? You actually believe that? No, I believe the later report that the, that he saw green and he went and yeah. there was some screw up at the base. Yeah, because he had three witnesses. Of course, but you know, it's it's another great way to take away some freedom. Let's turn off texting. That's next. Well, they got busted. They got busted on that, so that's not going to happen. Although, you know, the thing is, it's almost like everything else. Well, it could have been from text messaging, so we better be safe than sorry. Exactly. Turn off texting. You can't do it, or you get fired. Exactly. Well, we'll see we how had that. We, we had that with the, my favorite thing was the during the era. And this actually started in the eighties. Uh, the, the era when laptops and you know, people were bringing electronic devices onto airplanes in the early days when they yeah. first started showing up on the scene, uh, early IBM laptops. And there was this big thing about, uh, before the cell phone revolution, about you gotta turn off all your electronic stuff and then all of a sudden it became like, <clears throat> you know, we're doing that because it's better to be safe than sorry because some plane veered off course, they think, yeah. you know, because some yeah. guy had his laptop on. Yeah. So they, um, well, let, let me tell you, as as an airman, it's horse shit. It is horse shit. It makes no difference. It cannot influence these instruments. It does not influence these instruments. the The main reason for turning off your cell phone, and that and that is true, is that um, when your cell phone is searching for a for a tower, uh, and you hear this on television all the time, you hear the interference. You hear right with the BlackBerry does it a lot. Um, and that'll interfere with audio. And uh, you will hear that in the cockpit, and that's annoying, without a doubt. But that's the only reason. There is nothing else that affects these instruments. There just isn't. It is, so anyway, at some point, they relented and let people use their laptops in the air. At the, at the beginning, by the way, that was there was controversial. They weren't going to let you even play on your laptop when you're yeah. flying around. Right, but now, but now you've got Wi-Fi and uh, and you yeah. can uh, you can uh, do video conference from the air. It just proves the point that it's horseshit. It's not true. So here's my story. So I'm in Brazil, and uh, I'm on a ten, I think Tam. And I'm sitting in the Fontaleza someplace in northern Brazil in an airport. I'm on this plane, and it's not going to take off for a half an hour. So I open the laptop up and start doing some work. And this, then the stewardess comes over, and she sit, tells me uh, that I have to close my laptop. And I said, why? She says, you can only use the laptop at ten, after we get to 10,000 feet. <laughs> but that, by the way, is the altitude which uh, on 9-11 cell phones worked. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, Anyway, so I, I said, but we're still, we're just sitting here, we're just here landed, you know, and then she says, no, no, that's what the rules are. Let me go kill this phone call. Yeah, sure, go ahead. You're not even going to answer it? Hello? Yeah, there he goes. Mm. Yeah. Special insight. See how, you hear how terse he is when he talks to people on the phone? Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm busy. Oh. Yeah. Can't talk now. Got to go. Bigger name on the other line. What time? Oh, jeez. Yeah, getting away, getting a, sh- a, a reservation at dinner. Okay, cool. Excellent. Huh? Yeah, I'm so happy we didn't have dinner last night. We'd have absolutely nothing to talk about. Like- Much better this way. Now tonight I can just enjoy the dinner because we'll have nothing to talk about. That's great. Okay. Now you can cut that out or leave it in, but what it is. I'm going to leave it in. Okay. Well, uh, she, I, I, because we didn't go last night out and I wanted to go to Chapeau. Ah. Uh, and so they have a, a seat seating. If somebody canceled and then give us six o'clock after we take that. We go to the Empress of China next time. Okay. So, so we're going to Chapeau tonight. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay, cool. Where is that? It's out in the middle of nowhere, San Francisco, someplace out in the avenues, okay. out in 14th and, and Clement or something like that. There was one time, uh, I'll take that back. Uh, do you remember, um, before the BlackBerry, RIM actually had a mobile messaging network. Um, and uh, this, I'm, I'm talking 1990, I want to say 95. And you could buy a little, uh, the, remember the little HP, kind of like a, like a flip open plastic thing, and it had a keyboard and an LCD screen, and you could shove a PC card into the side of it? Yeah. So, uh, and you could uh, join up to the RIM network, which was um, countrywide. Yeah, I remember that. And you could send uh, messages. Right. Uh, email messages. That's how they got their start. That's right. And uh, th- these things were one watt, which is an amazing amount of power, which is probably, what, th- three to four times the power of your typical cell phone these days? No, it's a lot more than that. There's a, those things are... are oh, like 50 milliwatts, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, incredibly powerful. And... <laughs> Ron and I both had one. They were incredibly handy. You know, we had surprised our... you didn't have a big bald spot next to your head. Well, indeed. So um, and we were flying coach across uh, country, and Ron was you know like uh, fifteen seats up uh, ahead of me, and I was behind. And you know, what was cool about these things is they actually would work up to like you know five, six, seven thousand feet with these ground stations because you know one watt can go a long way if it's unrestricted. And so we're beep, beep, we're beeping messages back and forth between each other. And the captain actually came on and said, um, we're having an issue with uh, one of our navigation systems uh, right now. We just like everyone to close, uh, to close down all CD players, all electronics equipment. And it, like heads were whipping around because of course we were really cool at the time, right? Everyone's like, wow, that's, that's awesome, man. You're sending, div- you're sending these messages wirelessly. And everyone's head like whipped around us and like gave us the evil eye. It's like, you're going to make us crash. <laughs> Now, I'm still not sure if that actually influenced it. That could have. The, the one yeah, it could have, but, you know, yeah. it's, it's a well-known fact that CD players in particular, of course, nobody carries those around anymore, thank God, uh, have a huge amount of RF coming off of them, like massive amounts, and it's all over the place. It's a, they're just a noise machine. But at what frequencies, do you know? They're all over the place. It's a mess. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So it may not have been you, but it probably was. A watt's a lot. Well, you see, in the old days, really, really, I mean, there's th- three basic navigation systems, two of them based on um, on radio, 
uh, radio frequencies. That's the NDB, which is uh, essentially on the AM band. Uh, if you ever listen, to, if you ever scan through the AM band, you'll hear these uh, signals going, brr, brr, or sometimes it's a Morse code. Um, yeah. So that's actually an identifier. And uh, then we have the FM version, which is a VOR. Uh, these are yeah, so it's a beacon, and you can uh, you can it's a directional finder beacon. But on today's modern aircraft, it's all GPS based. Uh, at the very end, when you're landing on an instrument landing system, once again, you do get these radio frequencies into play. So honestly, it does make sense to not have any risk of any other you know weird harmonics uh, floating around that could potentially throw something off course. But this stuff is you know these. These receivers and these transmitters, you know, they're pretty good. You know, this isn't just like a Radio Shack uh, 101 project <laughs> kit we're talking about here. Except maybe on a Russian plane. <laughs> no, not even those. Not even those. Well, you've never flown Aeroflot. Oh, yes, I have. Absolutely. Oh, have yeah. When well, we a lot of them still had tube, uh, tube uh, uh, transceivers in them. Hmm. And everything had big bolts. <laughs> yeah. So I'm on the Aeroflot. First time I took Aeroflot, I had a. Uh, I would never f- fly them unless I had to. By the way, uh, although they're using American uh, built planes now, I was on an Ilyich 62, which I think has like four engines, it all in the back hook to the tail or something like right, that. Right, right, crazy looking machine. Yeah, and uh, cramped. These and the only difference between business first class there was a first class, a business class, and a coach. And the only difference between they're exactly the same seats. No difference. There's just they they add a little they add like an inch of leg room for the business class and then two inches of leg room for the first class. But there's no the seats are identical. That's the same when you fly either KLM or British Airways uh, when you go from uh, London to Amsterdam. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the, they don't have a first class. They have a business class. It is exactly the same seats, but there's a curtain separating you from the, the wee people in the back. And you get, and you get like a sandwich. So they have, but they, they served a pretty big meal. I was in, the, I was in, uh, I think I was in coach on the way and business on the way back or something like that. I can't remember. But it was really cramped. I mean, talking about cramped, it was unbelievable. Anyway, so they had, they, so they served like a, they were, they were for the dinner. They actually cook a meal and then they divvy it up on, it's not like all this prepackaged stuff, at least back then. Mm-hmm. And this is just before the fall of communism, like the year before. And, uh, so they had, so they were cooking fish. Oh gosh! It's, it's not like that smells. So the plane is reeking of fish. Oh. They they come out with these platters, these aluminum tin. You know, it's like a it's like being in a prison. <laughs> not that I've been in prison, but I'm guessing you, know, you have a tin plate, and they you can have, bang against the seat back. <laughs> hey, Comradeski, I want some food. And so they have these tin plates, and then they also, somebody warned me about this one. They said all the sodas and everything were in big bottles. They had no individual servings of anything. It was just giant bottles of right, everything. Right. And it was all served in plastic containers that were reused. So they were all washed uh. a million times. So it was like a plastic cup that you'd normally get. And as an American, we'd throw it out. But it was reused. <laughs> so it was washed and washed and washed. It was all scratched. Uh. And, um, That's not but very anyway, high but class. The, but what was interesting was that the, the women, because this was was a flight out of London, uh, were all uh, 
there's, 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 there's apparently a number of outstandingly beautiful crews on a number of these flights, and this was one of them. Uh-huh. <laughs> and all the girls, I guess, had gone when they went to London. The first thing they did was they got I guess the first thing place they went was to uh, the all the makeup stores they could find because they were wearing <laughs> like so much makeup. <laughs> it looked like the whole place, it looked like you were being serv- serv- serviced by hookers. Yeah, well, in those days you couldn't get makeup in, uh, in Russia. In fact, I remember when I was there in, in 88... Um, I actually took some, you're supposed to take some trinkets with you to get shit done. And I remember taking, uh, what was it they advised me? It was makeup, lipstick. I mean, anything you could, you could, you could schlep along in your suitcase would get you stuff. Would right, get you like a phone call. Small amounts because you yeah. had to bring a lot of bring it. it in, yeah. Cause on my, where I was staying, the woman on the floor, there's a woman on every floor. Yeah. Who does the phone. Sits, Right out there, after the out that side of the elevator, eh, she's sleeping most of the time. <laughs> but every day, you'd have to give her a little, you know, like a little can- one of those little. Uh, yeah, you got to give her a trinket bar. Yeah, little Halloween candy bar is always a winner. Yeah. Chocolate. Yeah. And also a little uh, uh, another good thing you can bring over there, which are because you again you have to pack for lightness, so you can't bring any big things like a lamp. You bring uh, little those little cars. The matchbook cars that you have oh, that yeah, you know, yeah, slide yeah, along sure, for sure. kids, oh, huge, big deal. Just going back to uh, to cooking in the air. Um, it's been a while since I've flown British Airways. I'm pretty sure they don't do it anymore. But in uh, 2000, I flew uh, British Airways first class, and they would cook your breakfast and they would make you a boiled egg. It takes nine minutes to boil a soft boiled egg at altitude. Did you know that? <laughs> Yeah, but the cabin's pressurized, so that should yeah, make up for that. Yeah, it's pressurized to 8,000 feet. Oh, right, then it would take a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I remember saying, make mine uh, three minutes, no more. She said, okay, that'll be nine minutes. I'm like, no, 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 what are you talking about? <laughs> make it three minutes. She said, nope, takes nine minutes to make a soft-boiled egg at, 8, 000, or, uh, at altitude pressure. Huh. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I've flown on British first class a couple of times, and I don't remember them ever cooking me breakfast. Uh, I've flown... Canadian once, and they may have done it there because I remember I took a Canadian Air flight to England. It was uh, out of Toronto, and uh, it, we woke up in the morning. It was a good relanding, and they cooked the breakfast for us. And it, but it was an English breakfast with a with a heart, you know, just like you Old get, English. yeah, yeah, yeah and English. with a, some ter- tremendous high quality bangers, which are almost impossible to find in the United States. You know, with that sage flavor and a mm-hmm. lot of rusk. Mm-hmm. I, I was I was not commenting. I was savoring the uh, the recall of the taste. <laughs> yeah, very yeah. nice. So um, anyway, where were we? I forgot. We're bitching about something. Uh, well, about Russia. Hey, Russia seems to be in trouble. Yeah, you know, I got a, a copy of this video that there was a thing on the Russian. You know, that this new generation of Russian kids. Uh-huh. You know that, or the sons and daughters of the uh, of the criminal group that came in and you know took over the oil companies and everything and made themselves billionaires, and now mm-hmm. they have a bunch of children who are just you know entrepreneurial oh. style, but they're they're the ones who you know they're buying the up dumb Perignon and they're right. just big spenders, and there's you know the uh, they're out of control morons. They're out of control. They're they're the worst in the twenty nine somethings with the with the uh, Maseratis that we have. Well, I, what I've noticed is, uh, you know, we've been looking for houses, and I think we've actually closed. I don't know yet. I have, they haven't been home for a while. I think we actually closed on the new place. Um, but the um, there, there was all kinds of weird checks they were doing on, on background, which has nothing to do with the financing, just purely about, you know, character checks. 
And, uh, and Patricia's great. You know, I, I get immediately, I, I get all like offended and what the fuck do you want and what's wrong with you people. And she's much more calm about it. And she, she's, you know, talking to these guys. And they said, well, we've had a lot of problem with Russians. And we really don't, you know, it has to do with who we bring into the neighborhood, you know, who you're going to be dealing with. It's, uh, and I presume it's, um, it's, you know, the same level, same age group of people. Uh, and they, they, they're really, they just don't want them anymore. They're trouble. Yeah. Big time. You know, and then they, you know, they're pushy, they're pushy, they're trouble. They, uh, you know, they, 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 it's this terrible group. So anyway, a guy uh, sends me a note. And he says, uh, I think you and Adam should discuss currency investment during this economic downturn. I think it's particularly relevant. Do not, and not just because I've been asking you about this. He wants to buy and sell. Okay, well, 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 let me uh, let me make a, a minor statement. Something uh, very interesting has happened to me personally. Um, so I, you know, it's it's our own company, and we take a uh, a salary. It's not a huge salary. It's not shit, but it's not a huge salary. There are many people in our company making more than Ron and I. Um, <clears throat> but right now, because of the way uh, the dollar has uh, stands against uh, the pound and actually the euro, but the pound in particular, um, I got like twenty percent more pounds in a month than I than I had uh, two months ago. Mm. Yeah, which is nice, but of course that is bound to swing the other way. Right. Well, I'm not a big fan. I think currency investment is a um... well. The only way you can do it is if you're into swaps, because that's what that's that's what, and that's part of this problem. So what you do is um, you you take a position in foreign exchange, and then you insure that with a swap, and that of course is these really unstructured, un non transparent, uh, you know, not officially traded, not regulated um, derivatives. That have caused a lot of the problems that well not we that have caused the financial sector a lot of problems. So I, I, you know, and look, I'm not really I'm an investor in real companies. I don't invest in in publicly. Oh, I used to, but I, I stopped a long time ago. I don't invest in uh, in publicly traded companies because I've run one and it's full of shit. They lie to you. Their numbers are bullshit. Um, it's trickery. Uh, everyone's in on the plot. Why do you think Arthur Anderson went down the tubes? They were all a part of the system. It's a big lie, you know, and, and most people, if you're not somehow on the inside, like you are perhaps with, uh, with Andrew Horowitz, you're going to get screwed. You will get screwed if you buy into stocks, if you buy into currencies, same thing, because you're not a part of the big game. You're not a part of the system. You cannot win as a small guy just trying to make an investment. My I opinion. would agree with that. I would agree with that uh, pretty much, yeah. I, I think, and currency stuff in particular really takes a, uh, a, a skilled Skill. professional. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you can just slop around because you think the dollar's going to go up and the dollar's going to go down. And if you feel that way, you know, find some, uh, exchange traded fund that is, or, you know, or short. just quit and become a day trader. I'm doing something very crazy, John. I'm doing something called, um, what is it called again? Oh, saving. That's what it was. Yes. I'm saving my money. Isn't that crazy? Well, some would think. Yeah, no, that's a good point. You know, if you want to become a day trader, you know, sit there all day. It's just like becoming, I always say to people, it's like one of the reasons I think is that professionals do so much better. It's like becoming a professional gambler. I've known two of them. And the professional gambler tell you the same thing. They, you know, they win all the money. The amateurs lose all the money. And that's the way the game is played. And typically a professional gambler, not those guys you see that win all those poker Pots, but typically, a professional gambler will make a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars a year if he's full time and he knows what he's doing. 
uh, and he has a knack for it. I mean, it takes it's a, it's a skill to do, and you can make money doing it. But that's what you have. That's that is your job. Yeah, that you, you have to do it full time. You got to be in. You got to be in the big game with everybody else. Otherwise, there's just no way to win. No way. Period. So, uh, and it's all these little guys, and that's the reason I don't think that this economic crisis that we're going through right now is the big one, because the public is not in the market, and it's always the public at large that takes it in the shorts when yeah. you have an economic collapse. They're the ones left holding the bag, just like the amateurs who are the amateur gamblers. They're left holding the bag, or you have the, uh, you know, or the addicted gambler. Those poor bastards. Well, there are, but there are millions of people who are who are getting shafted. I mean, there's, there's, you can't deny that. Yeah, and but that's that's a different kind of shaft where you're, you know, you were. I mean, you're getting. It's just it's a roundabout shaft. It's not as though you were in the market, you know, and you're all pumped up about it, and you're putting everything in it. You go on margin. You're borrowing money. You're taking out the mortgage on your your house because you know that Juniper Networks is going to double and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but this this is the crazy thing. This is such an American thing because, of course, our, our, quote, economy was built on this system of um, of publicly traded um, equities and uh, and debt, etc. In Europe, you can go ask uh, 100 people on the street and maybe one of them will actually be actively engaged in any kind of trading with their money. People just don't do it. They're, I mean, they're unfortunately they trust the government, put all their money into pensions, and uh, and you know it gets they get diluted that way. Uh, but this is a very American thing to to invest in in companies and oh yeah, I think it's a good company or um, you know I like the product, so I'm going to buy stock in them. You know that that is no longer has any relevance to what these companies are doing. You're much better off. Um, either starting your own business, or used to be, it's over now with Obama, much better off starting your own business or helping out uh, investing in a small business because that's where you can actually, over the long term, you'll probably make more money and you might even have more fun. That yeah, would be no, my I would advice. Agree. I would agree with that. Uh, but people do like to get into the stock market, especially when it's going up like crazy, and they all get in. Yeah, when because it's we're going greedy, up. we're greedy ass bastards, and we think and they we can all play get the game when it's down at the bottom. I, I guess just, I'm always amazed at that. I mean, is the, the things bouncing around the bottom? Yes, bang, bang, bang. You can feel it, and you can see it, and you watch it, and you and people are bailing out. Oh, wait a minute, this is not the point where you bail out i mean the old rule still applies you buy low sell high when did it go the other way you know now we're all selling low and then they get to the top they'll all be buying in and then they'll be stuck holding the bag it's unbelievable right. and then of course they'll sell again when it bounces off the bottom again in 2013 right. well that's just like gambling if you don't know what you're doing you the minute you lose like oh, crap i'm gonna go home now <laughs> it's like then you lost you cannot win people so to your uh, to our listener who said uh, you know what should i do save your money my friend that's what I'd say. Save it. Just save your money. I don't know why people want to get into uh, these weird kinds of things. John, do you remember back in the day when you would, you know, remember layaway? Does that still exist in America? Layaway? Uh, there's being revitalized. There was just a news story about it the other day. There's, there's some of these stores, because of the credit crunch, and they can't give cards away or whatever. People are rejecting credit cards, thank God. Uh, there's, their layaway is now being revitalized by some of the big department stores. Absolutely. A lot great, of people don't remember great, it. Great idea. So the concept is you, know, you look at the thing in the shop window, and you go and you say, I really want that, and can I do a layaway? And they'll say, okay, give me you know 10%. And when you've paid it off, and sometimes you'll get a you know a range like you know you come pay something every week or every month, and when it's paid off, then it'll be yours, and I'll keep it safe for you. And it was a fantastic system. And you know what? It was so much more rewarding. 
being like, oh man, I really want that new bike. You know, I'm going to save for it or I'm going to do it on layaway. And when you got it, you appreciated it and you were careful of it and you loved it and you were proud of yourself. And that was a feeling that has gone. It's just gone. Now it's like, eh, let me see if I pay off another hundred bucks on my credit card, maybe, you know, it's like, it's reverse saving where it's dumb. Well, the credit card thing is a disaster. So, um, yeah, well, of course, nowadays, you know, you could do the layaway, you get to see the bicycle, and you go get it, and you put all the money down, you finally take the thing home, of course, it was made in China, and the wheel falls off. <laughs> so that has a lot to yeah. do with the... Yeah, uh, true, true, the quality of the product. Yeah, well, you get what you pay for, and of course, you didn't really pay for it, you borrowed it. Saps. Stop this, people, stop it. Stop it, please. Huh. Oil down to uh, $67. Yeah, well, I've been short oil for some time now. That's my only investment. People say, oh, you know, you're writing about this. And I say, I have one investment, period. I mean, I, I have some, some options that I hold for well, some things. Well, between the are... two of us, we're doing good. I got the gold. You got the oil. Yeah. Well, I got down the oil thing. You know, we, we, we talked about it a million times. It's obvious that, you know, it was going down. So I bought um, an exchange-traded note. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, my entire retirement fund is in it. Uh, DTO. Anyone who wants to check. Wait, it wait, out, wait. I just, I just want you to say your entire retirement fund is in it. My four hundred one k SEP IRA. Wow. So yeah, I mean, why not? And because it, we, it was so obvious that oil was going to go down, so I just bought it. And the thing goes up like every time the market goes down five hundred points, this thing goes up four points. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's, it's hilarious to yeah. watch it. Everyone's moaning and groaning, and I'm going, "Hey, looks good yeah. to me. I'm happy yeah. with it." I'm, I just had to figure out what the bottom is for this oil because now it's at sixty something. I'm, I'm hearing fifty. Is, uh, I'm is thinking. What I'm, I'm still right looking at forty. Really? Mm. So and, and it is translating you know, somewhat to began, the. You know, the oil was at twenty five <coughs> when this whole bullshit run up came up. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm um, I'm happy about that. Although I I don't think we're quite seeing it. I mean, we're seeing some difference at the gas pump. Uh, oh, it's, it's pretty no- noticeable here. It's already under three dollars a gallon in a lot of places. My wife just bought a bunch of g- gas for the uh, van for uh, two seventy nine, mm. and she was paying like four something just like three four months ago. So then, uh, shouldn't uh, food prices come down? Shouldn't a whole bunch of things come down? What what is now creating the inflation if it's not the uh, oil prices? They can't use that as an excuse anymore. So it's got to be the currency. Uh, well, you know, the dollar's going up. That's another interesting thing. Yeah, that's nuts. That, that's got to be artificial. There's just no two ways about it. It just makes no sense. Well, it's always been artificial. But the way I see it, I still think that the dollar was uh, was oversold to an extreme because of the fact it is, and I, I, people always say, well, the only reason you're saying that is because you don't understand how things work. Oh, please. Here's what I'm saying. I, and I don't care about the taxes. I factor the taxes in. I can buy a bottle of quality Bordeaux wine in San Francisco at half the price I'd pay for it in Paris. And when the dollar is the other way, it would be pretty much the same price. But now I'm paying twice as much in France for their wine than I'm paying for it here. I think that might have changed a little bit now with the euro being down to like 127. No, I was talking. That's the changing. Time- when I had the best time uh, is when the euro was 80 cents and you were in France and you could live it up. And that's when I should have bought an apartment or something there because it was the prices were right. But now it's uh, I just completely missed it. Why is but it now, why is it necessary for the Federal Reserve and central banks to manipulate our money? Why is that necessary? Is that for our benefit? Supposedly. 
I saw a. Um, well, so to keep the co- economy from getting into that boom bust cycle, which is. <laughs> Please, which it's, it's what creates the boom bust cycle. What are you talking well, about? The, the regular business cycle is, is has to be somewhat how controlled in some way, and they think with these theories, of the interest rate controlling things, that they can ma- manage to keep things on an even keel because they don't want the banks, for example, do not want a, of all things an inflationary environment because then the banks, before, yeah, the banks. But listen, th- isn't this exactly what Greenspan just? said he said oh well uh there was a flaw in the system of how the world works i didn't really understand it as his nose is like five times longer than normal do you see his nose it's huge pinocchio i I think he's got rosacea or something's wrong with his nose yeah it's it's called lying (laughs) (laughs) but yes kids when you lie your nose nose grows it's absolutely true no i saw a um uh ron paul video on youtube from uh the 80s and he said something very interesting he said it's not just uh wrong from a financial perspective for the central banks to be controlling our money and to be uh, effectively diluting it uh, by printing more. He said it's a moral issue, and this is what I thought was interesting. He said it's the same as if the government decided to dilute your milk to make more of it. And I thought that was a pretty good analogy. Yes, and some dairies do that. Yeah, which is immoral. Yeah, it is. Well, same thing as using that crazy chemical to make the cows pump out more <sighs> tasteless milk. I mean, that if you've ever had that stuff, and I've tasted it, it's horrible. It's tasteless. No, what is that? Tasteless milk? What is that? It's that BST, that bovine hormone that they mix, you know, you shoot up these cows. And is that what it know, was for? Yeah, so they produce like 20 to 30% more milk, you know, on a daily basis. So you get cheaper, you know, you get a, the dairy farmers can make more money. And they were, you know, Monsanto was trying to ban anybody oh, from yeah, saying that they, the milk oh, had it or yeah. didn't have Monsanto, it. Monsanto, there you go. They had a patent on it, of course. Patented cows. So anyway, so they're pumping this stuff out. But meanwhile, the milk is crap. <sighs> it's unbelievable. I get a lot of pushback from the greenies listening to the show. You must have gotten some of that. Nope. Oh, really? Maybe they've just given up. This was the last, <laughs> the last of the Mohicans. Well, they've given up on me a long time ago. <laughs> I mean, some, a newbie will show up once in a while and send me something, and then I'll just blast them. And, or, you know, um, I don't know. I don't know what their problem is. I, I mean, if people want to take their, their, their green thing and they want to go crazy, fine. It's, that doesn't, it's not like killing me. It's just when it impinges is when I'm bothered. You know, it impinges on all kinds of, you know, normal living. And I also don't like the idea of everything being politicized. And the whole green thing is vegans are the worst. They eat based on politics. I eat based on quality and tasty food. And stuff that's good for me. You know? Let me ask you a question just to switch gears briefly. Because there's a lot of talk right now um, in the United States about gay marriage. And here's what I don't understand, and maybe you can help me. Is it not so that there is a separation between church and state? Why is this an issue? Why, why are there even propositions? In California, we have these, you know, with elections, you have all these propositions, which is the closest thing we have kind of to a referendum where you can vote on a, you know, some law. And, uh, and, and you know, the big one now is gay marriage. And I just don't understand how, how, why is that actually a law? Isn't, isn't the church? Because well, no, marriage has got nothing to do with the church, especially in the United States. The marriage is, is a civil uh, contract that is really governed by the states and the, and the feds mm-hmm. uh, insofar as how you d- divide up the money when, it, when, when one of these uh, you know, it's not a corporation but it's like a partnership uh, that you sign up for and uh, it's got nothing to do with the churches. 
Okay, but so, so in California, does uh, does a civil union exist? No. The reason for that, and it does exist in Massachusetts and other places, and they 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 don't want to use the word civil union because everybody wants to use the word marriage. I mean, the people who want the, uh, this to be legalized, and it is kind of at the moment, but they're trying to delegalize it because yeah. the state voted against it. Uh, Obama ago. as well, by the way, I might add. That's what he says. Yeah. But anyway, it's, you know, eventually it's going to it's going to have some binding. The, the thing it was always, you know, behind it, at least according to the cynics, was the only reason that you know gays wanted to get married was, I mean, they could always just, you know, be happy. You know, they could go someplace. And well, get yeah, married. that's my next question: is what's the benefit? What's the, the what's benefit the legal is for benefit for health and insurance benefits? So if ah. you get a gay married couple working at Mevio, and the one of the partners who's not working at Mevio but but married to the person who is, they get ah. the same health benefits, you know, have to pay for health benefits for that person. And it's really mostly about benefits. Uh, I mean, there's the psychological need for people that want to be married, which is whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, but there's also these other, you know, contract and, you know, being able to visit them in the hospital because you're their wife or husband, right. which you can't do if you're just some guy walking off the streets in many situations where you're in intensive care, for example. Yeah. And also, uh, you know, when, if there's a, a dissolution, who owns the, you know, who owns the dog? You know, how do right. you split the kids up? I mean, you can't do that if they're never if they're never really hooked up legally, and it's just a people shacked up. Boy, so what they a- wanted to get that out of the way because this actually causes more trouble. Uh, civil unions are, I think, result in less troublesome legal crap. And yeah, because I, it's, it's I, a I set process, it. right? Then you you know what's going to happen, and it's just done with. Yeah, it's not a crapshoot. So, yeah. I mean, I don't have a problem, personally, uh, with the whole idea. It doesn't bother me. I don't know. It bothers a lot of people. And some. And we watched it when they had that one week of every, somehow there was something overturned, and there was everyone getting married left and right in San yeah, Francisco right, because of right. Newsom, and who's a weirdo, to say the least. Well, uh, well New, Newsom is, uh, is for, for uh, gay marriage. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, he's right. trying to give, run for president eventually on that on the back of that thing right. but he uh, there were people getting married these couples you know they looked like they were happier than a clam I mean, it was unbelievable it was it was actually kind of kind of sweet yeah. so i'm not you know i'm not yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, I, I want, I want every, every person in the world to have the same benefits uh, that I have of being married. You know, I want you to have the kids. I want you to have all the, you know, when you get a divorce, I want you to have the same, go through the same shit. Please have all those benefits. But that, okay, that's, now, thank you for explaining that. I, I thought that I was clearly confusing uh, the marriage part with the church part. So that, that is completely separate. Well, Biden said, you know, I'm against gay marriage. I, yeah. I won't have it. I mean, I think there's a lot of people that are against gay marriage. Usually they're church goers and they're... Right, but that has nothing to do with it. That has nothing no, to do no, with, it, with no, the it union. But there's, you know, but it's like anything but, but is else. It, I mean, let me ask you, is it, not, is it then maybe just because um, we can't... Ex- we, uh, there's a, um, a resistance towards calling it something else? Calling it a partnership or a union or something like that? You know, it's one of those things. It's just a, it's just a point of contention. Uh, to me, I don't care what they call it because I'm not on that side of the argument that, that is going to be affected by it one way or the other. But apparently they do care and they don't like the idea of being – I think it has to do with it's kind of insulting to be in a different class or category. Yeah, we're married, but you're just a uh, – you know, Yeah, you're union. not really married. Yeah, it's yeah not you're the, not really – it's right. just – you know, BS. And so, and I think a lot of these, you know, there are some liberal churches that would, you know, like to do marriages with these people too. And I think, uh, 
I think it's just a, you know, they're probably the argument for the use of the word marriage in this regard is probably. Uh, That's got to be part of it. That's got to be it's part gonna of the be, problem. It's going to be, I think, you know, these things you can argue to your blue in the face. And maybe if you're, you know, a very fundamentalist church person, you think it's an abomination because, you know, the Bible says it's a bad thing. Uh, I think they're good, that opinion is not going to change. But I think it's a foregone conclusion, you know, because it's just, you know, this is dragging on too long. It's ridiculous. Foregone conclusion what? That it's just not, not ever going to happen? No, it is going to happen. Oh, it's a okay. foregone conclusion that it's going to happen. But not under Obama, because that's exactly what he said, nor under McCain. It's going to happen under Obama. Well? It won't happen under McCain, I can assure you. But it's going to happen under Obama. At least it's going to start happening. Well, okay, so then why does Joe Biden say I'm against I, it? Why does Joe Biden say it? he's against it? I think they're both full of crap. Thank you. I, I think they're both full of crap on this. I think they're lying. Well, people who uh, who think Obama is uh, is the Messiah, you know, you can't have it both ways. You can't have them lying about one thing to get in office and then expect they're not going to lie about other things. Just doesn't work that way. A liar is a liar is a liar. Well, as a politician, so I mean, it's not like a shock. But no, I think it's going to, but you know, these are, you know, they, what they're going to do, and I, I think Biden said this too. They, the Republicans had a really kind of a cool approach to this, which was leave it to the states. Why should we, the feds, which get is involved? exactly what the Constitution says. Right. So, and, but the Democrats hate that. They'd rather have everything done at the Fed level, and I'm sure they're going to be pressured to do something about gay marriage at the federal level. But I think they can legitimately say, you know, we could be for it or against it. It doesn't make any difference. Let the states decide. Go to your state and have them change the law locally. And then, you know, of course, the argument Then you can move that, to another state. Go, go somewhere else. Well, you know, there's an argument against that, which is the following. Being here in the Bay Area, of course, all the time, I hear all this stuff constantly. Yeah. So that's why I have, I know these arguments. The argument argument is, well, you know, okay, so we get married in, in a legal state like uh, Massachusetts, which is called a union, but we got married in Massachusetts, and then we moved to Connecticut, and, and then we got valid. divorced, and then now with the laws, the local laws won't protect me, and, you know, well, you know, that's an interesting argument, except for the fact that with divorce laws, there's it's the same thing, state to state, it varies a lot. You move with your wife yeah, to, uh, to a different state, and then she divorces you, she may not get as much as she would like in California right, right. or some of these states where there's a no fault laws or places where they can just ream you and take everything. Yeah. So I mean, so that's not that's a that's a specious argument. Unfortunately, it's it makes it sounds like it makes sense. Let me let me but, tell you, you know. the uh, the Adam Curry strategy to that. Um, I put everything in my wife's name. Everything. We're married, and so whatever she has, I get half of it. So I don't have to deal with that crap. Okay. And uh, by the way, she's making three times the money I am now. <laughs> so she better watch it. <laughs> but it, 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 for some reason, uh, and, and we didn't get married because we wanted to get married. We got married for her green card. I'm not going to lie about it. Uh, we had no intention of getting married. Now, fortunately, it's worked out. <laughs> it's been pretty good. Yeah, you've been married a long time. Yeah, cause we're, we're working on 22 years. So, you know, not not bad at all. But Hell know, of a green card. Yeah, well, we literally went down to, to City Hall on a Friday afternoon. And well, what did, she, did she want the green card or did you need, what was the deal? We, um, so, um, you know, we had a, a, a torrid and very public affair in the Netherlands. 
And, uh, and, you know, we'd been together for about a year and then this opportunity to work for MTV came up and they called me and said, you want to come and work? And I said, uh, well, hold on a second. And I, I said, Patricia, I said, look, here's the deal. You know, they'll give me a two year contract. You want to move with me? It'll be a whole new start. Be something, you know, we'll get out of all this, this craziness, paparazzi hiding out in trash cans and stupid shit like that. And I said, if you don't want to go, I'm not going to go. She said, yeah, let's do it. So we picked up, you know, like her 12 boxes of clothing and, uh, and, and our car. And we moved to America. And, um, you know, so basically she had to leave the country every three months in order to, to be, have a valid visa. And then at one point she said to me, you know, so we were living in New York and, uh, you know, about, uh, three quarters of a year. She says, you know, um, okay, so I gave up everything. I gave up my career. Um, you know, I love you. We're having a good time. But what if all of a sudden you, you know, whatever, it just doesn't work out anymore. What do I have? I have absolutely nothing. I have no standing in this country. I have nothing at all. You know, should, can we, you know, think about putting together some kind of agreement that, you know, would give me some protection? Fair question, by the way. And it, it, it you know, I'm giving a very short, abbreviated yeah, version yeah, of it. You know? I like the way the women work us. Yeah. So, uh, I'm like, crap. Like, and, and then of course I had this genius. I'm like, well, this, you know, the easiest way is just get married. You know, that, that's a contract. It's split down the middle. It's, uh, it's easy. And, uh, and she said, okay. And then, uh, you know, we had to, we still had to do blood tests at the time in New York. I, that might still, you might still have to do a blood test in New York. I don't know. To see if you're not like, marrying your cousin or whatever the hell that's for. No, no, the blood test was always for syphilis. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, let me, mm, no. That was my understanding. The, the reason for those blood tests was, was really? that was the point where you could stop venereal disease and it was syphilis mainly. <laughs> those blood tests go back into this, the, 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 the pre, you know, yeah. penicillin era. Because of course you only actually have sex when you're married. Got it. So that makes total sense. So we, uh, you know, we got all the paperwork and then, uh, it was like a Friday afternoon and, uh, and I, and it was a beautiful sunny day and I called her up and I said, Hey, how about today? And she said, yeah, sure. And so I grabbed Steve Leeds, the guy who was doing talent coordination and i said you're my witness and we went down to city hall in a, in a communa car which is like a car service had the car circle the block i was actually a witness for a, a couple be- that came before us because their witness hadn't shown up and uh, we got married and uh you know we uh, had a, a bottle of champagne on the way back uh, up to 56th street and uh, we were married and then of course 10 years later we did a real party and a proper uh, a proper celebration uh, but that gave, that gave her a green card, and that was the only reason we did it, because uh, we loved each other anyway. It didn't make any difference. Right. But, of course, we had that luxury because we weren't uh, a gay couple. So I can understand where... Uh, but, by the way, they were, you know, they, they do check on you. A year later, we had to both come to an interview, and they interviewed us separately. And then they checked if the, if the answers to the questions matched up and it was, you know, like, you know, besides, you know, the obvious, where's your, uh, where's your address, you know, but you know, what color eyes does she have? Um, you know, all, all of these really weird, I wish I had written them down. It was a whole bunch of weird, weird questions where you actually, you kind of felt uncomfortable. It's like, Oh crap, man. I hope I don't fail this. <laughs> they might ask me something strange. You know, I had to prove that you had, you know, had bank accounts together and all that, but they really did check it. You know, yeah, no, I understand they do that. Yeah. So, because um, there's a lot of scammers out there that are just coming in here, you know. They, I mean, there's people that just do the marriage just for the green card, and they're, 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 they don't even live together. They're just a whole phony deal. Well, meanwhile, if you actually want to bring in some talent from overseas, uh, it's impossible, uh, particularly in Silicon Valley. You, it's impossible to do. You cannot bring in talent from overseas. We've tried. Just, it just can't be done. What talent are you looking for? Uh, well, it's, 
arguably it's talent that you could also find here, but when we were looking for, you know, Google, um, up until their stock dropped down in half, you know, was, had everybody. You know, it was impossible to get anyone in Silicon Valley because they all wanted Google stock and to be and get the free Google food. Meanwhile, little do they know that they are the serfs and the slaves of the master over there. Believe me, that's no no picnic working at Google. Um, but there's free food. Everybody yeah. I know that was went, went to work for Google, with one exception, has gotten fat. Yeah, exactly. From that healthy free food, no less. Well, I mean, it's it's weird because it's almost, I mean, you, yeah, they've all gotten fat because it's free food and they just eat and eat and eat. And how hard must it be? And this is what we're seeing changing. If you're at Google, right, and you and they don't pay tremendous amounts, you know, they're, they're pretty much on scale. And, you know, they, they, of course, they went through some craziness there. But their main currency was their stock. So you came in when it was six or seven hundred dollars and you got all these options thinking, well, I'm going to be a gazillionaire in a couple of years and then I'll punch out and I'll go do my own startup. And forget about it. What's the stock at now? Three, three and a half, something like that. Three twenty-five. It keeps punching. If I'm not mistaken, it, it kind of bumps up into four hundred. Right, but everyone's stock, uh, stock yeah, options they're all are underwater. severely the underwater. Word, the word that we use is underwater. Now, if they were real, real men. I mean, real men. This is something that Ron and I did when we took our company public. Said three thirty-nine twenty-nine yeah, as we speak. See. We uh, we went public um, at seven dollars, a huge public offering for a, a eleven million dollar uh, uh, raise, which is nothing by today's standards. Of course, this was nineteen ninety six, and uh, we immediately got you know it was the whole we we weren't in the game at that time, so we got I'll just say we got fucked. So we went to seven twenty five on opening day, and then it went down to six to five to four. You know, everyone just was dumping the shit. It was all retail, no institutional investors. We didn't know what we were doing, and everyone was freaking out because you know their options were underwater. We restruck the option pool. We took it out of our own stock and gave it to the employees, and that's I believe one of the main reasons that we actually could come together as a company and become successful. And you believe me, you won't see Eric Schmidt or Sergey or uh, Larry doing that. They won't take anything out of their pocket to do it for their employees. Your so surfs. So they apparently bought a new jet. Another one. A jet fighter. Oh, of course. I figured they're going to fly it up and shoot down Microsoft's jet fighter. Now how about Larry Ellison's jet fighter? He's got a yeah, MiG. He's, he's had a jet fighter for a long time. Yeah, he had a MiG, right? I thought he had a MiG. MiG yeah, I think it's a MiG or, like or, a, yeah. or a Saber jet, one of the two. Yeah. Hey, that's the way to. That's green, boys. Way to go. <laughs> Drive your Prius and fly your MiG. Uh huh. Well, actually, they bought an Italian jet of some sort. Really? Hmm. Yeah. This, there's a picture of. It. I think we blogged it. Uh, oh, I you can check that. it out. I've, I'm so disconnected. I, I haven't. Well, no, it's no big news. deal. I mean, they, so they got a jet. You know, I just you know think of the uh, uh, look. I'd love, I'd love a jet. Believe me, but you know, how can you be so holier than thou and then and then do that? That's crap. Yeah, it is. The it's um, not good. Working for the CIA. Don't don't be evil. Don't make me laugh. So anyway, yeah, the Google stock is way down. It's interesting. Huh. Well, of course, it was it was inflated, and you know, look at their business. The, you know, their business is is AdWords, and, and that business is down. It's just down. There's, you know, that's part of what happens in this economy. You know, interestingly, our advertising business is definitely under pressure, but our transactional business, you know, the uh, the budget rent a car, and uh, you know, with the coupon codes, that's off the charts. 
It's off the freaking charts. It is such a beautiful system. Yeah. Yeah, I got to do something with the budget rent a car thing on my uh, Tech 5 thing. I keep forgetting to mention them. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm setting it up. Uh, do you want to do eHarmony on this show? Because that's going to be the next one is eHarmony. We could do something well, we, fun with that. We could if you want. I mean, I'd, I'd rather do budget personally, but because that's actually a company I use. What, well, why, do, why don't we ask uh, the audience what they what they would like a deal on? Well, you get 10% off on a budget rent a car. What are you talking about? 30%. I thought it was 10 No. Really? Thirty is the new one? Is the new deal is thirty percent? No, I think it's. Uh, let me check. I think it's ten uh, percent off a weekly rental. I could be wrong. Um, I'm bringing it up now. Well, I we, think it's ten percent. Uh, well, you know what? We'll give you carbon credits. <laughs> carbon. <laughs> Hold on. We got to set up our own carbon trading. <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry. It's thirty dollars off the weekly budget rental, or ten percent off any amount. That's it. Right. Right. And then Brookstone, ten percent off Brookstone. But I don't know, and we still have the e music, uh, pet meds. That was out of control. Pet meds. Yeah, medicine for your pet. You don't have. You have a dog, right? Yeah. yeah. Do you ever take your dog to the vet? Once in a while. Yeah. Ever look at the bill? It's too high. <laughs> Not only that, but there's this new veterinarian system. There's this group, and in fact, we have one of them in Berkeley. I can't remember the name. It's like a chain of extremely, and unfortunately, all the good surgeons are in these chains. Extremely slick yeah. operations. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, oh, and their computer, we got them in the U.K. as well. They're called um, pet doctors is what they're called. Yeah, there's something else called, maybe it's the same operation in, at the base. But whatever yeah. the case is, it's like, wow, it's way too slick. It's extremely expensive. Yeah. And, and I, I love it like, when they say, and, and, and you, please, you have to give your dog this special food that we sell. Right, they got all this extra stuff. In fact, my they had to have an operation on my dog, and they gave us all these, you know, drugs, a whole shitload of them. And I'm thinking, let's see, just a dog, you know, the dog's going to be was woozy enough and screwed up enough from the damned operation that I should be like now doping her. Yeah, it didn't seem like a good idea. She fine, it's fine. She wasn't whining or crying or anything else. She was fine. She healed up, and that was the end of it. Yeah, it's a total. She's scam. an old dog now, though. Well, you could, you know, I get sold all the time on pet insurance. Have you got that? Oh God, what's the point of that? Yeah, well, uh, anyway, so the pet meds. Um, one of our most successful guys does a show or. Producers, I should say, does a show um, about uh, equestrian uh, horses, yeah, and making a killing on uh, on horse medicine. Really? Yeah, because it's really expensive. What you think dogs are expensive? You want to go visit in one of these these posh equestrian uh, doctors that do horse? Are you kidding me? That's outrageously expensive. They buy it in huge bulk, and you know the producer gets uh, gets a, a cut of that. And it's mm. you can't get a better price. I, mean, I immediately went online to see if they were if they were selling Special K, but uh, unfortunately they didn't have it. That was What's... a drug drug reference, John. You wouldn't get it. I didn't get Special it. Special no. K is a uh, is a horse tranquilizer no. that humans take, ah. and uh, it's quite popular. Mm. So they I just drink Bordeaux. That's all I do. <laughs> yeah, five. That's five hundred bucks a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Uh, you don't have to spend that kind of money to get good wine. That's the point. Hell yeah! You just have to know what you're doing. But you know, or ask somebody. Anyway, those were California wines we had at that tasting. All right. All right. What time is our dinner tonight? Uh, six. Oh, you like the early dinner, don't you? Well, it gets me. I did, yeah, I do. 
Not to the point where I'm going to the four o'clock dinner, but uh, which is a reference to, of course, Seinfeld in uh, Florida. But uh, I don't know that. Yeah, because you get in, you get out. The place is fresh. This, this helps not, you know, killing. I mean, they're not like slammed because uh, you get you start going later. I mean, the, the optimum time is. Uh, I mean, if, you're, if I'm in Brazil, yeah, I, I eat dinner at midnight. Yeah. But the optimum time, typically, where places really packs up, is between seven thirty and eight thirty, and the place is slammed. The service goes downhill. You know, they're out of stuff. You know, I hate going to a place you go and you say, "Wow, this is the one thing I've always wanted to eat." Oh, I'm sorry, we don't have that anymore because it's sold out. And um, anyway. All right, so let me uh, let me just uh, tee this up. So we are doing another show that'll be uh, November first. So we'll talk about uh, the elections, which will be on Tuesday, November fourth. Um, we probably should do a show on November fifth. Wouldn't that make sense? Do you think? Uh, instead of November first? No, 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 no. Instead of the eighth, then we're not going to wait until the Saturday. Oh, yeah, after yeah, that. yeah, yeah. We, yeah, the fifth would be okay. I should be uh, available to. And, do and that. I'll be in the UK, so I'll have a, a European perspective uh, on all of it. All oh, right, I'm sure people will be very interested in what's. Uh with the, I mean, I'm sure the Europeans are going to be thrilled. They just love that guy. You know what? They don't care. I told you this last. They don't care. The, the people have stopped. Do you, do you have any idea how? How horrible the situation is in Europe. <laughs> you think it's bad here? They, you know, no, but I'm, I may be going to Portugal in, a, in uh, next month. Oh, so isn't it out. interesting? By the way, that election day is exactly six months or half the calendar year away from tax day. Wouldn't it be better to have tax day and then election day right at, right after it? I think it would. Yeah, it would be more. <laughs> yeah, but then these guys would be booted out. Well, that's the whole point. It's like have election day right after tax day, and then that'll really determine if people want to keep you in office or vote you in or vote you out. You know, it's, it can't be by accident that it's uh, exactly six months uh, separated for those two events. Think about it. No, I got it. It's funny. No, it's not funny. It's sad. All right, I think we're done. Yeah. Uh, I, what was this? Oh man, we're talking this long about nothing. It's amazing. It's even funnier how, that. How we, long did we go? Uh, ninety-seven minutes. Yeah, that's about right. That's what yeah. we do. We do about ninety minutes every time. And I had about a break in the middle where I had to talk to the restaurant. So <laughs> we'll subtract that from your quota, sir. Don't worry. We'll give you some carbon credits in return. All right. Um, good. So I don't know what's coming up this week other than the Obama special, which of course I won't be able to watch. Because I'll be back. It's Wednesday, right? I think so. Yeah. Well, maybe it'll be on Sky or something and be able to. Pick uh, it up I'll somewhere. record it for you. Put it on a DVD. Yeah, and then I can uh, have it by December. Fantastic. You can have if, you, if you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, you on Twitter tomorrow? You don't know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Okay. I'm going to LA tomorrow. I got this uh, this digital Hollywood panel I'm on. I got suckered oh, yeah, yeah. into it, it. Is that on Monday? Yeah, it's Monday. Yeah. And so you're doing? on a panel at Digital Hollywood. Everybody who's listening to the show, go down and say hi to Adam. Hey, John, thanks. Bring money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing sales calls Monday and Tuesday as well. Should be fun. All right. Uh, that'll wrap it up for this week from the Curry Condo. Uh, my name's Adam Curry. And I'm John C. Dvorak in northern Silicon Valley. Uh, we'll talk to you again next week right here on No Agenda. No Agenda.